Yeah, so Australia is still out there. That's on the bucket list. I'm coming. I'm coming, Jess. Just give me some time. <laughs> Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 97 of the Between You and Me podcast. This is a place where we talk to music makers about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in evangelical culture. My name is Jess Morris. I'm an Aussie music journalist, and I am delighted to share a wonderful conversation with you today with an artist you've hopefully heard of. His name is Erskine, and he has this amazing way of partnering his faith with discussions about racial reconciliation, about fostering and adoption. It's just amazing. There's just so much to this conversation and I can't wait for you to hear it. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at JesusWide.com, your number one source for Christian news, news and interviews. Um, now, I want to say thank you to everyone who listened to our previous episode with Ellie Holcomb. That definitely felt like a bucket list item for me that I didn't know it was my bucket list until it happened, and I'm so grateful. Every time I record in the last few months, I'm like, I can't believe how close we are to episode 100. Today we're up to 97, and it just it feels so special to be able to have conversations like the one we have with Ellie, like the ones that we're having today with Erskine, continually. We're nearly, well, we're heading into our, our third birthday is coming up in November, the fact that I can even talk about November 2021 is bizarre, but our third birthday and the fact that so many of you are here, whether you are new, whether you've been here from the start, you're still listening. You're still engaging. You're listening to this Australian journalist who you've never met before talk with musicians about like the nitty gritty of Christian culture and what it means to live in hope and the music industry. And that means so, so much to me. So thank you. My conversation today with Erskine really reminded me of what it looks like to face our brother and sister, whether they are in the church or out of the church. And the cool thing about Erskine is that he legitimately wrote a song um, for the persecuted church. And I use that I use that term in the sense that the enormous amount of believers in countries where it is, you know, illegal to be a Christian, to to listen to music, like really distinct Christian music, where it is illegal to have a Bible or to share things or to meet together. Um, and what I love about Erskine is that he wrote the song, Is He Worth It?, with Nick Ripken Ministries to really honour um, our brothers and sisters who are fighting the good fight. And I think it's really beautiful. Um, and beyond that, Erskine also talks about what it means for him to have essentially a soft heart in the Christian music industry. I think that you will really find value in what Erskine has to say. Now you are about to hear a short bio about Erskine, the who, what, when, where, why, and then we'll go straight into the interview and I will catch up with you at the end. Here we go. Meet Erskine Anavitate, a singer, spokesman, advocate, songwriter and producer since 2014, this talented artist has made his mark on the music industry, unashamedly talking about his faith while using his platform to discuss adoption and diversity. Born in Texas, Erskine was a high school basketball star and received a scholarship to East Tennessee State University. This fortuitous path actually led him to attain his Master's in Divinity, how cool is that, from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. And it actually soon gave him an avenue to explore his passion for music. Now today, Erskine blends gospel, pop, hip-hop, worship and jazz together and he started with his debut EP in 2014 titled Let's Ride. He gained global attention with his 2015 single Black and White from the album Look Up and in this one he actually tackled race and religion in the USA, moving listeners to thoughtfully move towards action in their own lives. Through all this, Erskine and his wife grew their family and they adopted two children. Their journey amplified their passion for adoption and fostering, leading him to become an advocate for Holt International, in addition to other organisations including Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Life Action and Project Connect Nashville. Come 2019, Erskine released the album Love Moves. 
The single, Grace Made the First Move, has received more than 35,000 streams on Spotify alone, and Erskine actually appeared on Spotify's worship covers and remixes playlist. In 2020, he was able to lend his voice to another cause he's passionate about, the persecution of Christians for their faith across the world. And after hearing Nick Ripken speak at a songwriting retreat, he was challenged to contribute to the cause in some way. It led Erskine to partner with Nick Ripken Ministries, co-writing the song, Is He Worth It? where he powerfully tells a story of many missionaries and martyrs for the faith across the globe. Today, Erskine uses his multifaceted platform to strengthen ministries, engage culture and create impactful arts. I had the privilege of speaking to him about what led him to record Is He Worth It? Why he chooses to speak about diversity in the church and why he's so passionate about adoption. This is a good one. My friends, meet Erskine. For people who have never met you before, who is Erskine? I am a singer-songwriter from the nation of Texas. And if you're in the United States, <laughs> you get that because there's a nation within the nation. And it's yeah. Texas. Happy to be from there. I'm happy to, uh, you know, be a singer-songwriter that writes in the genres of pop, country, hip-hop, R&B, ballad, soul, children's music, and EDM. And so multi-genre, multi-faceted, and really enjoy what it is that I'm doing. My wife is Kelly, my kids are Justin and Jasmine, and we have a dog named Harriet. That's all they need. Oh, all the important details. Border Collie, yes. Border Collie! Oh, and your kids, obviously. How old are your kids, if I can ask? They are 13 and 14. Wow, you are, you're in the teenage years, you are a trooper. Hang in there. You're doing great. (laughs) (laughs) No. That's amazing. That's so good. So how long have... Are you based in Texas now or do you live in Nashville? I'm in Nashville. We've been in Nashville for the last eight years. Nice. Uh, and we've moved here seeking to uh, get involved in the Christian music industry. And uh, as we kind of found out, it really is sort of an advantageous time for independent artists to begin to launch out. And we already had some contacts and some things that made sense for me to remain independent and go to some of the smaller churches and smaller venues. And over the years, I've gotten to know some tremendous people like Turning Point PR and working in the studios that I work out of here in East Nashville. Just some tremendous artists that I've been able to partner with and uh, appear on some of their projects and they own some of mine. And so it's just been a really neat journey of uh, collaboration with various groups as well as watching God do the impossible. at the moment is that a new album that i was listening to or was it a new single that's coming up you're gonna be talking to me about is he worth it which we should talk about that but yes need to let you got some bangers we got a uh, ep called just dance it's gonna be more of the edm upbeat pop tempo type stuff um and there's a reason there's a very specific reason why we're doing this ep next uh and I guess I could say a little bit about that because, you know, the song Is He Worth It that we'll probably get to talking about here in just a moment is a really um, important song, but it's a serious song because it requires us to understand the measure of sacrifice that sometimes is required for a believer. And I've got that song and Black and White and Life Matters and a lot of socially conscious songs that kind of range in the area of race and diversity as well as on 
perhaps an upcoming project, a song called Who's Gonna Cry, which is a song, pro-life song. Yeah. And with all of these very heavy songs and heavy topics, I wanted to give a little bit of, um, you know, just engagement on the lighter side mm-hmm. for audiences there that allows them to get up and dance and, you know, be part of a, a concert event or a small event where, you know, we enjoy ourselves on the lighter side and then also on the more serious side. Yeah, no, that sounds really cool. And I'm personally just so excited about anything Christian-oriented that's EDM and dancing. That sounds brilliant. And we could use that yeah. <laughs> after this last year. So check out, I just released a song in January called Be Brave. Oh, yes, I saw that one. Yes. Yeah. Um, so can you tell me about Is He Worth It? Because I, yes. from, from what I read about the song, it is about the persecuted church. But I know that I'm sort of speaking very broadly when I say that. So can you tell me about the song? Sure. Well, the song was born about four or five years ago from a songwriter's retreat that we did in Richmond, Virginia. We had a group of songwriters that were pretty well-known songwriters that were there in conjunction with the author of The the Insanity of God. His name is Nick Ripkin. Mm -hmm. And as he, in his very unique way, challenged the songwriters to write songs of depth and substance and to really take seriously the fact that the songs that we were writing becomes the praise and the hymnal of many of our persecuted brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. who cannot have concerts and they cannot listen to Christian radio and they cannot sometimes even have freedom to be able to practice their religion or their faith, Christianity, they can often in persecution sing these songs or have these heart songs that come to them that allows them to endure and to press on in the midst of suffering and persecution. And so the tagline is a bracelet that I wear. Is Jesus worth it? Mm-hmm. Of course he is. The refrain comes from uh, the murdered missionary Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain possession of what he cannot lose. And that's all interspersed in the song a powerful song and it's really a song that as Nick and I have talked about it over the years it's a song that's it's bigger than either one of us because it represents the voice of our persecuted brothers and sisters yeah so did you have any I mean aside from the fact that you're a Christian did you have any connection with a persecuted church put that on the tape I'm a Christian <laughs> sorry put that on the tape um, so aside from the fact of that very just minor detail, um, you did you have any any relationship or any huge any knowledge of the persecuted church before you had this conversation with Nick? And how has that grown yes. since? Yes, and so you know we've been doing missions as a family and also mm-hmm. as an individual. I've been to Peru, Thailand, Brazil, Africa five times. India five times. We lived in India for four months. So we're very familiar with the persecuted church. We used to do a lot of uh, youth activity with the Voice of the Martyrs in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And so a lot of their stories and a lot of their media we've had for years. Uh, And so I was very familiar with that before I read The Insanity of God. But as I read The Insanity of God and kind of got Nick and Ruth's story and then got a chance to meet them, uh, that the stories that they tell and some of the ways that they are going about engaging especially Muslim background believers, that really became informative to me and helpful uh, just in understanding the stakes and uh, how important just small things are in creating conversations and creating pathways to, to ministry, mm-hmm. uh, especially for you know different background believers. It's a privilege to bear the cross No matter what our 
music is you, you, you listed so many genres you play so many genres i love that you can't be put in a box um but i also know that I'm in a box right now look at this <laughs> but we also know that in terms of like christian music industry in the past we have loved boxes we love like this is the worship genre and this is this and this fits here um and so by you being an independent artist bringing yourself to the table you're giving the christian music industry something really important and really special um but how do you navigate finding your place in christian music i I know that you're you're not set out to just be like i'm just making this for the sake of it you're making it because you're called to but like how do you how do you stay your course and be like this is my spot right here yeah, well, I guess it's just because I'm, I'm weird like that. Like, I have so many different musical tastes. And it's kind of one of those things where I do music for a living. Um, and once that kind of sinks in, like, if you're not having fun doing music for a living, you're doing something really, really wrong. <laughs> and so, like, so many different genres of music and so many influences. and um, So just having the opportunity to play those and to share those with people... Uh, it's just an absolute joy, whether the music industry likes it or not, or I've never really, they've never really helped me with anything. So <laughs> how, do, how do they factor into what it is that I'm deciding to do? Like, I love those guys. Like they do what they do, but you know, I just have so many friends and from a ministry perspective, I, I've always tried to make a distinction between ministry and industry mm-hmm. because I had somebody in the industry tell me very early on you know, if you have a ministry that's apart from what it is that we're trying to do in the industry, like that kind of gobbles up your ministry plan. Like if you're wanting to go to like 200 member churches and, you know, some of the smaller places and do events, they're not really about all that. And since that's what I'm about, like I'll go anywhere, like I'll do big events or small events. It just kind of made sense for me to kind of do what I do. And I just enjoy it and other people enjoy it. And so I just thank the Lord for the opportunity to do it. Yeah. That's so good. Um, so when I was reading the email that I got from Turning Point, um, I got about probably 10 different topic ideas. Just <laughs> had a conversation. Um, and and so I I have the sense that there's probably a whole lot that you are passionate about and that you can tell stories about. But one thing that did, that did stand out to me was that you talk a lot about adoption. I didn't do it. <laughs> You tell me why you're passionate about adoption and talking about it. Yeah, because uh, fortunately, you have contacted me. I guess it's the 24th over where you're at, but the, it's the 23rd here in the United States of America, and the 23rd, April 23rd, is our adoption day. Like as soon as I get it off this call, we're going to go and celebrate for adoption day because we are an adopted family. And so that started mm-hmm. out with foster care. It really kind of started out probably in student ministry, and before that, my wife is one of nine kids, five of those kids were adopted. And so that was very much a part of her background and upbringing. Uh, I was raised as an only child. I was spoiled. But then I began to see these families who were just a a kaleidoscope of different uh, ethnicities and different backgrounds. And it became uh, pretty impactful for me as I began to understand the scope of the gospel Mm -hmm. is to bring us into a family that we were not originally part of adopted in and grafted in into a relationship with Jesus and union with Christ. And so that picture really came alive in adoption for us. And so we get an opportunity from time to time to go and speak at conferences and sometimes share with individual families who are considering foster care and adoption because we really do view it as the ministry. You know, the kids that we've adopted, we obviously love them. But the kids that we have fostered, we also love them. And there's a very real point in which in ministry, you do everything that you can and you do everything that you should, and then you let the Lord dictate the details of how that ministry is going to look. And sometimes those kids come, and you get attached to them, and then they leave, and it's heartbreaking, and there's really no way to sidestep that. If you're doing foster care and those kind of things the right way, then you should get attached, and you should be involved in their lives. And so we've got some really cool stories and uh, some really heartbreaking things that we've gone through, but it is, in fact, a ministry. We love it, but we also encourage people to, just view it as such when you're going into it because there are a lot of challenges there. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad that you brought that up. My my parents um, fostered a nine-year-old um, at, right right in, like, the middle of COVID. Um, and 
we're looking at she's actually looking at reunite but um it's like the whole process of her moving and so it's like the heartbreak of that um and just hearing you reflect on that i'm like it's a normal part of it because we've never my family's never fostered before it's just like it's normal it's normal it sucks it's normal <laughs> um but like, yeah oh man yeah yeah well so how do you guys like as a family you obviously like you've taken this on as your calling as your mission you invite people in they become part of your family how do you keep going keep functioning when like a family member or someone like you're fostering leaves to go on to the next thing how, how do you guys cope with that well i think that we cope with it the way that any believer copes with things i mean you trust the lord and you continue to move forward and um i've got a song on what is that album love, look up no it's not look up love move the love move album called better day yeah. um and no matter what the circumstances are I often say this at concerts of mine as a believer we know that there's a better day that's coming and so we move through things in life the challenging things in life knowing that there's a better day uh, a better hope a better promise uh, a better reward Uh, and so this life is sort of the precursor to that eternal life we have in Christ so there are going to be some difficult things that we go through just got to keep moving forward and and trust the Lord and all of that I'm not deconstructing anything, I can tell you that, (laughs) as I've done more and more, especially in the Christian music slash ministry industry, uh, I have seen so many shenanigans, we won't get into that, but things that would cause some people to become cynical of Christianity, but instead it's pushed me in the opposite direction, Jess, it's pushed me in the direction of recognizing that if all of those shenanigans are taking place, and people are still getting saved, and people's lives are still being altered and changed, radically transformed, then there is God who is on the throne, who can cut past all the foolishness and continue to reach people, not because of, but in spite of some of the things that are happening. So I say, praise God. Thank you. That is so good. I started this podcast a few years ago because I wanted to become bitter and cynical. And I was like, I need to talk to people so I don't. I'm so glad you said that. It's so good. Um, It's you. (laughs) We'll get in there. Are you a creator? Do you like creating fancy slideshows for church? Or maybe you're a videographer, a podcaster like me. Maybe you just love creating things and you need amazing stock music or videos to fill the needs. That is where Soundstripe comes in. The team at Soundstripe are world-class musicians who have hired world-class musicians to create stock music without all the loopholes of licensing. Simply subscribe and you can select what track you want and license it as many times as you want. It's a great way to support artists and create world-class content. We love our friends at Soundstripe. We have been partnered with them since the first episode of Between You and Me, and we are so grateful for their support. If you would like to use their content or check them out, go right now to soundstripe.com and use the code UMEPOD at checkout for 10% off. That is the code UMEPOD at the checkout, and you will get 10% off. You're welcome. Hey, it's me again. Big surprise, I know. But you know what I love? Nearly equally as much as good music. I love a good band tea. And I love a good nostalgic band tea, which is why I'm a big fan of the Between You and Me web store. If you head there right now, you will actually find that we have throwbacks to some of the most iconic Christian musicians and plenty of ammunition for the next catch up with the friends you survived Christian college with or who also survived being a PK with. 
go check out our t-shirts, our hoodies, our masks, because that's a thing in 2020, and even our phone covers or notebooks. We would love you to take home a piece of Between You and Me. And remember wherever you go that you belong here, that you are part of a family of misfits and worshippers and questioners and people who apparently like nostalgia. Go and check it out now at our website, betweenyouandmepod.com and hit the shop button. That's literally the set of questions I had, aside from some, from some popcorn questions. Have I missed anything, or is there anything that you wanted to talk about in particular? Well, did the people at Journey Point put diversity spokesman on there? Please, let's talk about diversity. Let's, let's talk about what... Why do you choose to include it in your music and in your life? Why do you choose to yeah. speak about it? Come on, talk yeah. about it. You see this skin tone, you see this melanin on here, that's why I choose to talk about it. Yeah. Because uh, the reality is, and whether it's right or wrong, I don't, I don't purport to know that, but when I came to Nashville, they were kind of like, oh, yeah, so you do gospel music? I'm like, uh, no. I, no, I've never written... I don't think I've ever written a, a gospel song like I've heard of. I was also asked, you know, are you a rapper? It's like, obviously. Oh, no. Black, you have to be a rapper. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd call my music that. <laughs> like, I can rap and I do rap, but I don't do a lot of rap songs just because I don't want to be stereotyped and pigeonholed and put in a, a box again. And so I just felt like it was it was time for somebody to come out and speak on some of these things. And I know there's a lot of people who are coming out and speaking on these things. Now it's like a cottage industry. But um, I feel like I was speaking on these themes before it got popular to speak on these mm-hmm. themes. Just because, you know, for just to be honest with you, I, I do a lot of camps and things where I'm the first or only black worship leader they have ever seen. Wow. And so the paradigm in their mind is, well, black people don't do that. Black people in the band, they're maybe the, the drummer, or they're maybe the guy that plays bass and not the guy that's leading. And so it's been mm-hmm. refreshing for me, quite frankly, over the years to meet students who are just like, We've never seen a black worship leader before. We've never, like, this is a new experience for us. It was like culture shifting, it's paradigm shifting, but I think it's an important and refreshing paradigm because the music artists of tomorrow are taking their cues from and watching the music artists of today and growing and gaining inspiration because of that. And so I think it's good for people to have positive examples and people to have uh, reference points that can push them to, to greater degrees of success and an opportunity. Yeah. How do you keep your heart soft when, when like you're, you're, you're working essentially being yourself, but you're actually changing cultures and challenging cultures just by being yourself. How do you keep your heart yeah. soft when people are surprised or when they ask you if you're a rapper? Yeah. Well, I recognize that we come from a variety of perspectives in life and somebody, like I went to school at East Tennessee State University. If you know anything about Eastern Tennessee, it's in the mountains. You know, they make fun of people because they're hillbillies there. There's not really that many hillbillies there. That's kind of the moniker that you get of the people that are there. It's really quite an unfair stereotype. But just, you know, people who were raised in a certain environment, who were raised a certain way, who have limited amounts of experience, I can't expect them off the jump to have the same type of cultural diversity. I mean, I've been all over the world. I've seen different cultures. I need to come to Australia. Please please come. Once we actually start accepting international flights again, please come to Australia. We would love that. That would be so good. I I was in India uh, last year, I guess, for four months, and I kept thinking, I need to go to Australia. Mm -hmm. Let me see what a flight is. I'm like, it's not even close. (laughs) It's just not... No, it's it is not. Even close. I don't think I'll be taking a weekend trip to Australia. <laughs> so. You need to do at least two weeks just to get over the jet lag. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So Australia is still out there. It's on the bucket list. I'm coming. I'm coming, Jess. Just give me some time. <laughs> I'll, I'll swap but, with you when you when you come here. I'll hang out with you here, and then I'll go to Nashville. Whenever that happens, I'll make it work. Places, huh? Yeah. Ships to pack tonight. Yeah, that works. Um, but to finish up that point, yeah. I was just simply commenting on the fact that you know I can't hold people accountable to experiences that they've not had until, of course, they've had those experiences, and so. Being able to talk with people who have different perspectives, I always already recognize my perspective is going to be one that is probably a minority perspective, not just because I'm a minority, but because I think so differently than people around me. 
I consider myself to be more of a centrist in the sense that heavy Democrat doesn't make any sense in my mind. Heavy Republican doesn't make any sense in my mind. And so I kind of go down the middle of that and then make everybody kind of upset a little bit. I love that, yes. I think that's maybe where Jesus would be. <laughs> I, I, I get that so much. Yes, I get that so much. You're not alone in that. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank you. I love talking about it. That's really cool and so necessary. Oh, that's great. Well, we talk about that all day. Listen to the song Black and White, and I think you'll get a good sense of kind of where I'm coming from with that. The most segregated time in our country yeah. is Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. You've got black yeah. churches and white churches. They're right next door. They're on the same block, both with hands raised high to Jesus, but still a million miles between us. And that's kind of how that song starts, and it only gets better. How do you... One, it's not your responsibility to change that, but I know that part of what you do is you share your story. How how do you enter a place or enter a group of people or a church who don't see you as an equal, even in 21st century America? Am yeah, I am no, I allowed to ask no, that? Sorry? I don't know. <laughs> do what? Am I allowed to ask that? Sorry, I, I realised that was a bit... No, you can... I'm an open book. I'm an open book. Um... If they don't, then I don't know it. Good. And sometimes I actively choose to not know that. Mm-hmm. Unless somebody just comes up out of the out of the blue and goes out of their way to say something in which I don't think that's ever happened. I've had some people say some ignorant stuff to me before, but I can tell that they didn't really know that they were what they were saying was racist. Mm-hmm. And okay, so I give them a pass. Nobody goes out of their way to be racist, especially not now. But in the midst of that, I really, you know. I'm not going to go to the Lord on that final day when I stand before the Lord (laughs) and say, well, I didn't try to do stuff that you told me to do because I felt like the people there were racist. Or I didn't do what I knew you had called me to because I was afraid of racism. Like, what is that? Like, just go and do what you need to do. There's another song called Do What You Gotta Do that you gotta check out. And uh, go and do that, and then let the Lord take care of whatever the circumstances are. If there are racists there, and they don't like you, then, I mean, that's just okay, because the Lord will find the people who do like you, and he's going to advance you through the ones who do like you, not through the ones who don't like you, and so that's the way that anything works, anyway, so, I don't know, six one way have dozen the other, Jess. Yeah, I hear that. Thank you. Thank you for answering that with so much grace as well. I appreciate it. Um, how, how have you and your family... Again, you don't have to answer this question. Um, I'm just know in the light of the events of the last week. Um, has that has that affected how you do your ministry or your songwriting process in any way, or is is that something like should can that even be separated from the creative process? Well, I think as a songwriter, everything that happens in life should be a part of the creative mm. process, right? process information and then we begin to say is there a phrase is there a line is there a melody is there a theme that begins to develop and when you see some of those things you know in the whole um, black lives matter white lives matter blue lives matter thing was at its height i wrote the song called life matters to just kind of not give a snarky response to black lives matter but to give a more general i believe holistic biblical response and say life matters so I'm not going to tag it with all. I'm not going to tag it with black or white or blue or any of these other things. Life matters. And so when we wrote that song and kind of clued in with some of the things that were going on, we just, that came out of the overflow of kind of where we found ourselves in that season, processing what was going on in front of us and before us. And so I think that it, all of it is important. Uh, how people process pain and how people um, process, uh, I would say, excess and access to excess is also an important thing Mm -hmm. as well so it's all part of the process yeah i hear that thank you um say thank you i know i do say thank you no i say when i say thank you because i'm thinking of the next question but to i say thank you oh i'm also it's way too polite but also because even though it's my job to ask you questions I i always feel really privileged when people choose to answer and they do it authentically and honestly um and and I know that I haven't done anything to earn that except ask you the question. So I really respect it and I'm grateful for it because um, I also know that there's a lot at stake for so, in so many ways. Um, that's yeah. why I say thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, thank you for your thank you. Uh, you know, I do the I do the Erskine Music Show. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Or no, I haven't. Tell me about it. Happened across that, but I, I do a live stream show called the Erskine Music Show, and I do it on Wednesdays, Thursdays. I have guests, and on Saturday I do a, a resulting show that follows up with that called the Way Forward that I do with another mm-hmm. pastor, and we talk about all of these issues oh, and more. I love it. Okay, and sometimes the room gets heated. Sometimes the room is divided. Um, but we feel like it's important for the church to have these discussions and people in the church to have these discussions, at least be aware of these discussions so they can begin to process and begin to move forward. Because if you're just stuck in one perspective, that's sometimes not the most helpful thing for, you know, your generation or future generations who are trying to make sense of the world. Um, Mm -hmm. and so we're, we're trying to do that for people and then give people some very reasonable and real talking points for how they can actually apply what it is that we're, we're learning and talking about. The most segregated time in our country is Sunday morning, 11 o'clock. Black churches, white churches right next door They're on the same block, both with hands raised high in Jesus Still a million miles between us Black people, white people, remember the God questions maybe a little bit lighter we'll find out if you could collaborate with anybody alive or dead who would it be and why oh so you have to say alive or dead <laughs> you're bringing people back from the grave with this one <laughs> it could be in heaven uh, i mean can you just sidestep jesus like that i don't know that you can sidestep okay so a- apart from jesus who obviously okay. everyone wants to collaborate with all the time a hu- a- a- somebody that's not Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, I have so many musical influences. You know what? For the sake of this answer and for the sake of levity, I'm going to say, I want to collaborate with you. Let's write a song. Go. Oh, my right gosh. Now. It would have to be in the key of C major. Literally, that's the only thing. <laughs> I actually recorded once. It wasn't great. <laughs> so you may regret yeah it was the heart was there and it gave me some understanding or empathy for musicians and that's where i got from it um uh, sorry i want to give you an actual answer to that question I'm, I'm trying to think um i do a lot of songwriting with various writers from all over the country and all over the world in fact one of the songs that we're looking at um actually is in production right now is a song that i wrote in india Oh, one of the awesome. guitarists that was there and so I, you know I've got songwriters all over the world some in Africa that we've written some songs with and for and uh man I just have enjoyed all of that I don't know that I put one above the other or that's fair look back maybe uh, I would want to collaborate with boys to men always a solid answer yes yeah and you're not ditching just anyone in the process the yeah great yeah. Take Six? Are you familiar with Take Six? Were they a Christian band? No? Sorry. They're acapella group. Yes! I've heard of them! There you go! Acapella Yep. That's cool. Yeah, so I was always intrigued with their harmonies and how they put things together. That must have been... Maybe I would collaborate with Kirk Franklin. He does some pretty uh, engaging things. Yes. Definitely would like to probably collaborate with Toby Mac at some point. All of the above. Brilliant answers. That's so cool. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You may have already answered this because we talked about Australia, but as soon as COVID eases or you're able to travel again, 
What is the, <laughs> what's the first nation that you want to go to? Um, you know, we actually had plans this summer to go to Africa. Oh, uh, another mission Africa. trip? Um, Sorry. I guess you would call it that. Mm-hmm. I, I maybe stopped calling them those. Not that that's you. bad, not that it's small. But I think that maybe it gives a sense of superiority when we go over there. Yeah, I hear that. Instead yeah. of a sense of humility. Uh, there's mm-hmm. an orphanage that we, we've worked with over the years in Barangua, Zimbabwe. Um, and it'd be good to see them again. Yeah. We've been separated for too long, and I was actually wanting to take the family. And so we're going to postpone that and maybe do that next summer because of some of the travel restrictions. And so yeah. looking yeah. to get there, and who knows what will pop up between now and then. I've got invitations to Haiti and Mexico and Canada. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we'll see where we end up. Yeah. So instead of calling it a mission trip, what would you term it? Um, maybe a discipleship journey. Yeah. Nice. Because the, maybe those that you take with you, because I think that we got discipleship all wrong. It's catty wampus here there in America. I don't know how it is in Australia, but we tend to think that we have like varsity Christians and that we have JV Christians. Yeah. And like the varsity Christians are the ones that are on the stage and the ones that, you know, get to speak at all the conferences. And everything. Those are like the varsity Christians. But the other guys... You know, we're kind of somewhere out there. Like, one day, if God wants to use us, he'll, like, give us platform or something like that. And I'm like, that is so totally unbiblical. I don't even know how we got to this place. But, you know, things that people are doing, if they're a follower of Christ, they're vitally important. Like, even though I'm kind of micro-famous, if I was not doing what I was doing, there would definitely be a gap Mm -hmm. in the kind of places where the Lord has given me influence. And I think every believer who takes very seriously not just their cultural mandate, but their spiritual mandate to go and make disciples. If we're missing, if we're absent, if we are not present in the place where God has put us, then there's a gap there, a gospel presence. And so I like to think of discipleship as there's some things that I can learn from you, Jess, and then there's some things that you can learn from me. And that sort of cross-pollination as we do community and life together is one that strengthens gives us accountability but it also gives us a sense that we're not the lone ranger what we have is a almost an epidemic here in the united states of pastors who are burning out pastors who are suicide and the last time i checked with tom rayner and, and some of the reports that lifeway is giving out there's 50 percent of pastors who are considering another occupation mm-hmm. and that just is because we've put too much on that guy or gal or whoever it is in our context to be the one that answers all the questions and does everything in the spiritual life and direction of the church. And that just simply is not biblical. Yeah. I hear that. That was discipleship journey. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. We need to learn. We need to grow. And maybe we can bring you something that helps you understand more of who we are and what we're doing. That's awesome. That's so good. I know I stopped myself from saying thank you then. You're welcome. (laughs) My last question. My last question. Thank you, thank you, thank you. you. I can't stop saying it. Okay, my last question for you. If you could go back to the day you released your first record, what would you say to yourself knowing what you know now? Oh, wow, that was blind eye. Okay, so that came together through miraculous circumstances <laughs> and I think if I had talked to myself back then I maybe would have told myself to find yeah here's exactly what I would have told myself to develop and begin finding a team and co-collaborators that can help you in the process that first album was terrible Jess it was terrible because I went in the back room of the church that I was an associate pastor of, and the pastor let me set all my music equipment up. Uh, It was kind of a junky room and everything, and I thought, okay, this is cool, do this. So I was trying to learn how to use Cubase and how to do engineering at the same time that I was trying to figure out how to play, and then I was trying to figure out how to sing, and then I was trying to figure out how to put all this together. Fortunately, there was a producer that intercepted this project before I released it into the world, and he helped fix it dramatically from what it was. He can only do so much, but um, he did enough so that I would have the opportunity to do several other albums before, or at least one other album before moving to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And so I have discovered a secret sauce, Jess, is that teamwork makes the dream work. 
Yes. I was just commenting that my assistant is out of town this week, and so I've kind of had to keep up with my own schedule. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's been a challenge for me because I've got things going on all the time, and sometimes things fall through the cracks. But when you have a team there that's solid, they pick you up and they say, hey, we need to get you here, and then you just met the producer that I'm working mm-hmm. with, and you know he's incredible and fantastic. There's no possible way the music would be uh, where it's at today if it were not for teammates and team members doing their part in this whole process. And so I would say to, to younger Erskine, develop a team, develop people that you can work with, partner, strengthen those relationships over the years, and you'll be that much farther along in what it is that you're doing You know, five years from now, knowing all these wonderful people. We don't have a ton of money. I don't know that I could convince anybody that actually has material wealth that we have material wealth, although in the United States, that's kind of a misnomer because we're one of the wealthiest nations in history. But I do have an a overabundance of people resources, of people who are quality people who genuinely care about us, who have partnered with us, and who are just tremendous blessings in our lives. I'm a self-made man With my well-laid plans And I was taught to do it on my own But I've tried and failed And I've been derailed From dust you picked me up And now I know enjoyed that there was so much to our conversation and yet Erskine was able to like respond to things really quickly and distinctly and so I got about 25 minutes in and I was like wait what I'm through my questions how how did we do that and yet he still had more it was awesome and I'm so incredibly grateful now as you can probably tell because we talked about dates in that episode we spoke in April so it has been a few months since they celebrated that day as a family um but it was really cool that that I was able to be like I don't know a small part of that day by having a conversation about it and it meant so much to me given what has happened in my family last year so thank you Erskine and thank you to you and your family I'm so grateful for what you do friends if you would like to get in touch with Erskine Go ahead and do it now, please. Uh, He is at Erskine Music. That is E-R-S-K-I-N. You'll also find him at erskinemusic.com. Now, the song Is He Worth It is available now on all your favorite streaming platforms, as well as his previous album, Love Moves. Now, fun fact, Erskine also has his own music show, uh, which is on YouTube and Facebook. So if you would like to go and watch that, Literally just go to erskinemusic.com and hit the Facebook or the YouTube button and you'll be able to watch that live. That is all I have for this week. Uh, But good news, we will be back next week. Yes, I know. Next week with another episode. This one is with my friend Jamison Ketchum. His book Name Dropping is coming out very, very soon. And it's all about his journey as a music journalist seeking creative truth through altruism and how he has redefined his faith through alt-punk bands. Uh, We both interned at To Write Love on Her Arms at different times, quite a few years apart, which is sort of how we connected and we both run podcasts. So uh, he runs the Godspeed podcast and is just a great guy. I can't wait for you to hear that interview. I loved speaking journalisticky things with a fellow journalist. It was good fun. Uh, so definitely make sure that you have hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so that arrives in your feed as soon as it drops next Friday. And 
If you haven't rated us yet, please go and do that now. You know that we love it. You know it means a lot to us. Um, And it means that more people are hearing these stories and these interviews, which is awesome. All right, that's all I have for this week. If you would like to connect with me online, please do. We are at Between You Me Pod or BetweenYouAndMePod.com. My name is Jess Morris. Here's to hope. Come with faith like a child. Bring trust and wonder and hands lifted higher and higher. Cause you know he'll carry you home Come with faith like the young Bring dreams and vision And a heart that burns with desire To see the kingdom come Expectation Promise you always come through to see you.